I have walked out on a pool deck <laughs> and oh, been like, excuse me. <laughs> and it didn't go over very well, so I didn't do that again. No. <laughs> Excuse me. Um. Welcome to Fit to Be Radio. Slip on your minimal sneakers, notch your headphones into your ears, tuck your smartphone into your pocket, and take us along for a walk while we talk. Or just grab a cup of your favorite drink and get on the floor and stretch a bit while we bring you all things fitness, core, and diastases recti related. You guys ready? Yes. Yep. All right. Born ready. Born ready. I love that. I, I love your first one, though, when you're like, I wish I could just say all those things. I know. <laughs> that is so bad. <laughs> hey, everybody. My name is Chris Banky. Welcome to fit to be Radio. I'm the host, and I'm here with Beth Learn. She is the CEO and founder of fit to be Studio, LLC, amazing fitness site. We also have a guest I'm excited to talk to today. His name is Jacob Mears, and he is a certified nurse midwife, which is... Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, not super common to have a guy doing this job. It's a very important job, though. So we're excited to talk to him today, and I would love to just get right in it and um, and and get going on this podcast. Jacob, where are you coming to us from right now? So um, right now we're uh, we're in Reno, Nevada. Okay, um, I work in a little Medicaid only clinic um, in downtown Reno. Okay. Um, and I do all of the women's health services here. Very cool. Very cool. So are you native Nevada? Did you move there? Not at all. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually grew up in Bend, Oregon. No uh, way. Yeah. That's I'm, where Chris I'm is. Bend, Oregon. Oregon. That's where I am right now. Are you really? Wow. Well, there you go. I, uh, yeah, I went to, went to Jewel Elementary and Pilot Butte Junior High. And wow. Then uh, we moved, uh, moved to California for about a year or so, and then I joined the Navy. Um, okay. And I, I did 25 years in the Navy, retired last year. Awesome. Um, our, our last duty station was in Nevada, and so we kind of wanted to stay where we were, and so I took this job here. Mm-hmm. Thank I you for your that. service. Who is we? Thank you very much. Um, so we is m- myself, my wife, April. Um, we've been married 18 years and our seven kids. Um, we have four boys, three girls. Our oldest, our, our oldest is our son, Wesley. He's 14. And they go all the way down to our youngest, Ben, who's going to be two in April. Wow. Yeah. That is fantastic. So you get the full crew. So you have lot. So with all those kids, you must have lots of free time. <laughs> <laughs> Not I sure what to do with all that free time. No. I bet. Uh, that's very cool. That's very cool. So Navy. Um, so how do you go from the Navy to a certified nurse midwife? I'd love to. Like, how's that? Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of a long, a long twisted journey. Um, I was a hospital corpsman slash paramedic in the Navy for a long time. Okay. Um, got into a, a commissioning program where they sent me to college to be a nurse. Um, I was an emergency room nurse and then got floated up to L&D one day, um, said, you know, you're going to cover the labor deck. I yeah. thought I was going to hate it up there. And within a few minutes, I was in love. I, I knew, okay, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. Wow. Um, but the Navy always has other plans, right? And so <laughs> even though now I knew, okay, this is what I want. Um, the Navy sent me to grad school, um, paid for my doctorate. But the fine print in that program is that they have the final say as to what your course of study will be. Right. And so I ended up doing mental health 
for a few years, um, my last few years in the Navy, knowing the whole time that that was not what I wanted to do exclusively. I mean, I love our clients. I love being able to help people, but my heart was always in women's health and labor and delivery. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, I went back to school, um, did a postdoctoral certificate at, at Frontier Nursing University for nurse midwifery. And oh, here I am. Wow. So how was the mental health? Like, I, I, you had your sights set on what you wanted to do. You had to do the mental health. How was that? Did you enjoy that? Even though you knew it wasn't ultimately where you wanted to be, but did you enjoy that? Um, some days. Um, I, I guess that's probably, probably true of most jobs. Yeah. Um, I, I was able, while I was at, I, I did my doctorate at the University of Washington and they have a great, um, they have a great perinatal mental health program. And so I was able to really specialize in perinatal mental health. Right. There's a lot of connections there. Yeah. We mamas need all the mental health help we can get. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll take that. Oh my goodness. Right. As a yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, no, no offense to anybody listening. Yeah. Um, no, none taken. Right. So I kind of, I kind of specialized in managing psychiatric medications through pregnancy, right. um, postpartum That's depression, tough. postpartum anxiety, those sorts of things. And, and got to use a lot of that during my last few years, the Navy. Um, right. So it sounds like the mental health part, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like the mental health part actually tied in well with what you're doing now in a lot of ways. Do you find that to be the case? I, I really do, especially here. Um, we're, we're a Medicaid-only clinic, and a yeah. lot of our patients um, come to me with mental health problems, even though they're seeing me now for women's health. Right. They're also, you know, within the same building where I work, they're also seeing mental health and psychotherapy. And it's good to have that background to be able to kind of blend all of those things together. And our psychiatrists, you know, can come to me and say, okay, Jake, what do I do? I've got this lady who's you know schizophrenic and she's stable on her meds and now she's pregnant. Right. Help. Right. Um, so you yeah. get to, you get presented with some challenges and you're able to, because of the experience from both sides, really look at the whole picture and have a good understanding of the both sides of the need so that you can, you know, mm-hmm. offer really good support. That's pretty that's a pretty cool blended skill set. Um, yeah. So you are a highly qualified professional that is doing amazing work. Um, and I would love to know, like, so how did you connect to Beth and fit to be studio and all of that? I'd love to hear maybe Beth, maybe you could talk about how you found that this very interesting, highly qualified, um, uh, expert and how, mm-hmm. you know, what we've done in the past together and, and kind of that, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're talking to Jacob for the purpose of our listening audience as if we don't know him, but really we know him very well. Yeah. Um, we have to know people pretty, pretty well before we let you on our show. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he and I connected through his wife, who was a member of Fit2Be. And she was in our forum and a lovely lady. And she would answer questions sometimes and say, oh, I'm going to ask my husband that. He's a, he's a nurse midwife. And that really got my attention, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, you don't hear about male midwives very often, and, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, but, you know, just her background, um, she had really good success with fit to be and, um, and just her answers. And I could tell, like, sp- her speaking for her husband, she'd ask him, and then she would type his comments. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, 
when I started working on the Fit to Be Girls course, which is an e-course we provide for girls ages 9 to 14, 8 to 15-ish, girls that are just starting their cycles and want to know more about their bodies from a non-sexual angle, I knew I had to have Jacob contribute to that because yeah. um, girls to understand what's involved in their first visit to an OBGYN or midwife Um I, he's the only guy in the course. Uh, a lot of people ask, like, why did you have a guy do that? And the answer is, well, I looked up some statistics and it's like 92% of urologists out there are male. And it's like 60 some odd percent of pediatricians are still male. And like 58% of gynecologists are still male. So especially in smaller towns, um, a young girl is most likely to be seen by a male provider and at some point in her life will be seen by a male provider. And having a female provider is no guarantee of better treatment, sadly. Right. So um, that's how Jacob and I connected. And I happen to know he's a huge fan. Jacob, tell us more though about like you're a male midwife and you think it's awesome. And why is that? And why do you think yeah. that that's like, you think more guys should do this? I, I really do. Um, you know, for one, I mean, just, just numbers wise, when you look at, you know, the, let's just, I'll stick to my world, but I'm a certified nurse midwife. So I was, I was a registered nurse first. There are tons of men entering nursing. Yeah. But they're almost always, I mean, if you look at the statistics, they're almost always steered toward either emergency room or the intensive care unit. Very rarely are men welcomed into areas like labor and delivery, mm. OBGYN, even, even neonatal nursing. Um, men are kind of shied away. And that's, mm. that's really, it's really an internal culture thing, I think. It's, it's, it's expected. You know, they, they see... I, I was certainly one of them. They see you walk in the door as a new nurse. You walk in, you know, I walk in, I'm, I'm six foot one, 210 pounds. I go, Oh, emergency room. That's where you belong. <laughs> um, and I think we're, we're missing a huge pool of potentially great midwives yeah. who've either never thought about it because they've always been discouraged from thinking maybe I should be a midwife or they've been steered away from that um, by the rest of the nursing and medical profession right. because, well, that's, that's assumed to be a woman's mm. job. So it's almost like a reverse sexism or it is sexism in a way because yeah. they look at you and they see a guy and they instantly right. think you don't belong in this field. And of course, a lot of people think midwife is a female term, but really quickly for us, can you define mid mid midwife, midwifery? Right. I mean, midwife is an old English word and it just means with woman. Mm. Um, so it refers to the gender of the person you're serving, but it has nothing to do with the gender of the person doing that job. Right. Um, a lot of, a lot of my, even, even a lot of, believe it or not, a lot of my own, my own um, colleagues in midwifery don't understand necessarily the meaning of that term. Um, I would, I would jokingly be referred to as a mid husband. Um, <laughs> By other midwives, um, and I'd have yeah. to kind of educate them. Say, actually, yeah, that's not really what that word means. Yeah, you're like good joke, but but <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> that's funny. So, how long have you been? How long? So, I think you you might have actually said this. So, you retired from the navy, or you left the navy. You stayed in Nevada, and then how long have you been doing what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've been a midwife. Actually, a year this week, um, past board, 
boards and everything else. Um, well, a year ago, a year ago this week, um, I've been in my current job for six months um, this month. Cool. So I'm still kind of a newbie midwife, right? I mean, mm-hmm. your first five years, you're really kind of considered to be to be one of the new kids on the block here. Right. So um, I don't have the statistics in front of me. You guys, one of you probably knows, but so what is the ratio of men versus women in that role, in the midwife role? <laughs> um, so according to ACNM, who's our governing body, the American College of Nurse Midwives, um, we men um, comprise almost 2%. All right. Of, of midwives <laughs> that are members, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> But there still aren't aren't a ton of us, um, and in fact, it's it's still a small enough group that most of us know each other. So wow. if somebody yeah. will will you know post on Facebook, hey, this is so and so, I there's a good chance I know exactly who that is because I probably talked to that person at one point or another. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's cool. I, I like that. I love stuff that's you know where you where you're kind of blazing new trails and. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that you're you're that you're kind of leading the pack there. So, so you touched on this a little bit, but I'd love to expand more. So, why why do you feel it's important that we have more male midwives? Like, not just from the standpoint of hey, there's some good people that could be helpful. Like, why do you see that as an important thing to do? Um, well, there's a couple things I wanted to talk to, talk about that. Um, one of the big things and i'm gonna sound i'm gonna sound like i'm I'm just harping on gender and gender roles in medicine um and maybe i am a little bit but when you look at what a nurse midwife does um the insane call hours and the incredible amount of responsibility and liability um i mean the 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 malpractice insurance for midwifery alone is ridiculous yeah um the salaries don't necessarily match the responsibility and the work hours. And if you look at it, traditionally roles in medicine that are largely female dominated are historically underpaid. Mm. Um, When you look at, for example, our colleagues that chose to be um, nurse anesthetists rather than nurse midwives, they're really, really well paid. And part of that is that there are a large percentage of men that enter anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And whether we like the fact that this is the way the world works or not, um, there's still a lot of sexism mm-hmm. in medicine. And when a, when, a, when a profession tends to be more male-dominated, they tend to be better compensated. Um, we have seen statistically as more men enter midwifery that salaries have gone up. Uh, even, even though it's just sitting at 2%. Even though it's, it's just sitting at 2%. Salary. It, interesting. It, it is really You're interesting. You're saying a male-dominated um, area of medicine, mm-hmm. the women in that area get paid more as well. Like the whole Correct. area goes up. Interesting. Right. So female CRNAs get paid, you know, on same level as their, as their male colleagues, um, female surgeons, particularly some of the more specialized surgical specialties get paid very well. 
Um, but if you look at, you know, the things that we really need more of in medicine, primary care, women's health, pediatrics, mm -hmm. um, traditionally female dominated and traditionally underpaid. Yeah. Mm. So you said something interesting. You said a governing body, which, which makes me think of something. Um, so I know someone that I'm not going to say who it is, but there's somebody that's had a lot of children and now all of a sudden they're calling themselves a midwife. And I don't know what their training is or what their background is. And they certainly are a, a mom of a lot of kids. But having a lot of kids does not make a good midwife necessarily, I don't think. Um, is there how – is, how is it controlled or is it controlled as an industry? It, can anyone just become a midwife? I mean, you have a, an incredible uh, educational background. Uh, yeah. Lots of education. But this person, I don't think, has right. any formal education to be a midwife, yet she's a midwife. Or calls herself one. Right. And, herself. and that varies really state by state in terms of licensure and regulation. Um, I live out here in Nevada where, I mean, for crying out loud, we're, we're a state where prostitution is still legal. Mm -hmm. um, and in Nevada, you can, you can call yourself a midwife with really no regulation. Right. Um, wow. and, and this is why it's important that people understand the terms and what we're talking about um, when we say midwife. Um, the two main groups of midwives that are highly regulated, um, there are certified nurse midwives like myself. Um, okay. to, to be a certified nurse midwife, you have to have a minimum of a master's degree. Um, and an increasing percentage of us have our doctorates mm -hmm. and you have to do, you know, roughly 5 million hours of supervised <laughs> um, work and give or take. Yeah. Roughly five. Yes. Um, and you have to do a ton of supervised cases, supervised deliveries, um, you know, pass a rigorous, you know, uh, certification exam right and apply you know then apply for your state licensure and you're licensed um in most states under the same statute that license nurse practitioners and nurse anesthetists okay. um, there are also certified professional midwives or cpms now cpms go a different route of training they don't start out as nurses typically um, but their training is still very rigorous um, it is in most states, and I say most states because I live in one of the states where they aren't, in most states they're licensed and regulated by the state board, either state board of medicine or state board of nursing or the right. health. Some, some state body regulates them. And the CPMs um, actually do, in many cases, more supervised hours of training than the certified nurse midwives do um, without all of the, you know, the, the academia necessarily that we have to go through, right. but the CPMs, these are, these are the experts in out of hospital birth. Okay. Okay. If you, if you, if you're looking for a home birth midwife, more than likely you're going to find a CPM. Um, if you're looking for somebody with, you know, with licensure and regulation and, right. and appropriate amount of training, they, in most states, they can't write prescriptions. Um, they don't have hospital privileges, um, but they have, you know, certification and experience that is certainly, certainly impressive. Mm. Um, I, I have a number of CPMs in our community here that I work really well with. They'll be doing home births. And for an example, they'll call me up sometimes and say, you know, Hey Jake, I've got, um, I've got this lady and I think she needs, um, you know, a prescription for bacterial vaginosis or, you know, mm -hmm. needs antibiotics for UTI. And they'll right. send me over labs they've done and say, you know, would, 
would you mind seeing this person for a quick visit and prescribing for me? And I'm happy to do that. Right. Um, so those are the two, two basic types. You also have a number of people that will use the term midwife and there it's a total mixed bag. You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, you know, some lay midwives do go through a lot of, lot of rigorous training and apprenticeship and they, and they really do know what they're doing. Right. Um, some people, you know, like Chris alluded to, you know, have five or six babies of their own and say, Oh, I've got this. I can, I can coach anybody through this. And, you know, we, we all hope and pray everything goes well when they're yeah, doing that. We, but, we hope for the sake of their clients that they can. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of scary. So, so what should someone do? Like they need to do research, right? Like <laughs> to know, Absolutely. to be safe. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a good question to ask is, you know, first of all, what, what kind of midwife are you? If you're talking to a midwife and you don't really know you know, what is what? Say, okay, are you, are you a, a certified nurse midwife? Are you a certified professional midwife? Um, and some basic questions will sort that out really quickly. Like, you know, what hospital do you have privileges at? Right. Uh, get a blank stare, then you're probably not talking to a CNM. Right. Um, you know, or, you know, how many, how many births have you, have you done on your own? Right. Most of us will, you know, we'll keep a birth log, um, because we like, you know, we like to be able to to provide statistics to governing bodies and that sort of right, thing. Right. Um, you know, ask, you know, ask ask them basic questions. Do you have prescribing privileges? If I need medication for something, mm-hmm. can you help me? Right. Um, yeah. Which is important. I mean, yeah. we like to we like to think um, that we can do the all natural route. But as an all-natural person myself, you know, I, I see a midwife for my well-women stuff. But she has prescribing privileges. She's also a naturopath. And um, she has hospital privileges. And that's important to me because yeah. I don't want to have disruption in my care right. just because right. I might need something she can't provide. I've built a relationship with her. I want to be able to continue that relationship into a hospital or pharmaceutical setting. Right. I want her to know what's going on with me. I don't want to have to see multiple people. So it's really valuable. Now we, we did another interview with you. We did a a video chat that's on our blog and that's linked here Mm -hmm. in the podcast um, where we went into a lot of details about how you have managed to bring in a lot of um, basic pelvic floor therapy and, and exercise prescription into your practice and um, so people can go there if they want that angle, that mm-hmm. that stuff, and there's a lot of content there. So we're not going to rehash that now. Right. I know, Chris, you had a question for him about the fitness angle, right? Yeah. So, so we we talked about we touched on it briefly that you're a big fan of Fit to Be, and for those of you that are that are not familiar with the the company fit to be studio we provide online fitness platform it's like an online gym um where you can do workouts in the comfort of your own home and we have all kinds from simple stretching before bed all the way up to really rigorous like weight training for weight training at home and yes. cardio workouts so we've, we've got everything you're a big fan i'm curious like how that ties in, like, what do you see with your patients um, from a fitness perspective? Why are you a fan of fit to be? How does it tie in? How do you work with your patients in that way? I'd love to learn more about how, how that works. Um, right. Um, that, that's a great question. Um, 
you know, one of the things that I first you know, noticed about fit to be and, you know, Beth was exactly right. You know, I had no idea what fit to be was until my wife started bugging me all the time. And, okay. There's, there's this question on this forum and can you help me answer it? And, and, and then she kept showing me these videos and, 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 you know, directing me to all these articles on this website. And the thing that I love about fit to be is that, you know, Beth and the other people on there, they're, they're real people. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, you're not watching Jillian Michaels on some exercise video. Bless her heart. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Jillian Michaels, but <laughs> if you're a, if you're an average size, average fitness level, American woman, and you're trying yeah. to get in shape, it can be discouraging. If you're looking at this person who looks like a stick figure, who's, you know, exercising at a higher level than most of us will ever achieve. Yeah. And it's, it's so intimidating for people to look at that. I mean, it's, it's maybe the male equivalent of watching, you know, watching Tony Horton do his thing. Yeah. Right. Well, it's also not appropriate for the prenatal and postnatal population. The reality is that, you know, you mentioned Jillian and again, bless her heart, but she's never had babies. And that's a body that, that is different than my body. And that's a body that can do different things than what my body can do. I've been back to that level before. I mean, after I had children, yes, but there's a progression there that I guarantee she has never explored. And I, I know because I've researched it. You, right. you have to really take things back to basics. You have to yes. completely rebuild the core after having babies. You have to dial it back. It's a different season. It's a different set of strategies to get you yeah. Back right. into the things you that you love and whatever it is you love, right? And and I think you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Beth, but when I look at the fit to be exercises, you know, the goal isn't necessarily to look like a Barbie doll when you're done, right? Um, you know, we're we're concentrating on fitness and Function. ability, mm-hmm. yeah, strength, yeah, r- much yeah. more than you know, do I have this teeny tiny itty bitty waist without any body fat on it? Right. And we have members that utilize us to get to that place. But most of our people are not even in a place yet where they can even think about that. Right. Yeah. You can certainly use the fit to be uh, platform to get to a very high level of fitness, but the focus is actually more about how do we build someone's strength and core strength so that they can do life better Mm -hmm. so they can be healthy so that they don't struggle with a lot of the things that you struggle with when you don't have that stuff dialed in. Mm -hmm. And that's a radically different shift from the Tony Horton, Jillian Michaels, you know, get ripped, you know, situation. A lot of times, um, some of the people that look fit are struggle in areas, have pains in areas, have struggle, struggle with their back. Have leaking in areas. <laughs> leaking right. in certain areas. It's not uh, always an indication. It's just like, you know, it's in the medical you know, profession, just because someone is really thin and trim doesn't mean they're not just about to have a cardiac event. So there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily super obvious. And mm-hmm. so what Fit to Be's focus is, is more of an overall health, overall core mm-hmm. focus, a strength focus so that you can actually have a decent life. And then, you know, ultimately, the more that that happens, you, you will become more fit. Um, mm-hmm. that, but that's more of a secondary benefit as to being right. able to have a, have a decent life. Yeah. So, I'm curious to hear, I'm curious to hear like from a, a male and a midwife standpoint, um, well, 
the world in general and at large might actually think that guys in general, I know as a woman, I've kind of been trained to believe that men want a scrawny, sculpted, tall, blonde, because that's what we see in the media. Right. But set us straight there. From a midwife perspective and a male perspective, why is um, functional fitness angle so appealing? Um. Well, functional. Let's let's maybe start with from the midwife perspective. That's a little a little easier, maybe a little safer to answer. <laughs> um, um, safer, right? Exactly. From a midwife perspective, you know, we don't we don't care necessarily if you know if you look like a supermodel. Right. Um, you know that that's so not what we're focused on. I mean, if through pregnancy, especially, you know, our focus is on healthy mommy, healthy baby. Mm-hmm helping mom to have not only a, a safe pregnancy, but a pregnancy free of unnecessary kind of lifestyle habit induced discomforts. Um, you know, we're, we're not, um, we're not going to, hopefully, um, all of us are kind of on the same page, at least most of us, um, you know, we're not going to mom comes in, let's say for her first OB visit and mom is clearly starting out this pregnancy, um, you know, over her ideal body weight. Right. I had a very wise older obstetrician tell me one time, so you never have to tell a mom in pregnancy that she's gained too much weight. Trust me. She already knows. Right. Very true. There's really no reason to, to, to bring that up. Nope. Um, but it's okay to say, you know what? Um, you're going to feel better if you make some changes maybe to your diet and you add some exercise into your regimen. Um, I'm not concerned so much with you know body sculpting or, or how you look, but I want you to feel better. I want baby to get optimum nutrition and mom to get optimum nutrition. Right. And I you know, I want mom to be able, and, and this is really, you know, one of the major tie-ins um, with fit to be and, and some of the things that, that you guys do. I want mom to be able to not only safely deliver this little life into the world, but then to regain pelvic floor function afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I want, I want moms who are, you know, who are postpartum to understand that, you know, it's, it's, never normal to, you know, be 30 years old and wet your pants when you sneeze. That's, that's not a normal thing. Right. Um, you know, but the focus being on function is so much more important than being on, you know, what does the scale say today? Yeah. Or, or, you know, what, what, what do I, do I, do I look like, you know, do I look like, um, you know, Beyonce's pregnancy photos. Well, probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> not sure I want to. But I'm not sure that's a good goal. All, all yeah. you need is a team of uh, Photoshop experts. Exactly. And an army yeah. of personal trainers and my oh, own dietitian. And, yeah. Well, and as you know, as you know, and we now have studies that prove this, women can deliver safely even when they are obese. Right. Um, they can be just as strong. And sometimes, in fact, more frequently than we thought, thanks to these studies revealing this, you bounce back better. Right. <laughs> so, um, you know, body mass index is not a good tell of how a woman will birth, and therefore it's not a good way to measure how she should be treated. I'm so glad you said that. Right. About, you know, even mentioning her weight has really no bearing 
on her outcome. It really is, like you said, about can she have a healthy, strong birth? Right. And how do we support her in that? Right. Exactly. And I mean, you know, maybe, maybe deviating off topic a little bit and you can, you can steer me back, Chris, um, if we need to, but I, I talk to so many women who are, you know, quote unquote overweight, who present with all these, these other problems mm. that they've been told time and time again, well, that's just because you're heavy. Right. And Mm-mm. 99 times out of a hundred, that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. Um, yep. what do you see? What's, what do you see that's most common? Like what are, what are people coming to with the wrong, the wrong mindset most often? Um, in, in my world, it tends to be pelvic pain. Okay. Um, someone will come in, you know, with, with sometimes years of crippling pelvic pain wow. yeah. and they've seen, you know, they've seen obstetricians or they've seen primary care providers who've just said, well, you know, really this will resolve if you just lose, you know, lose 50 pounds. <laughs> and I mean, you know, just, just as an example, I mean, two weeks ago, I saw this gal, um, very sweet lady, um, you know, on, on the heavier side, but irregular menstrual cycle, pelvic pain, and had been told again and again and again, well, it's just because you're heavy. Wow. Well, nobody had even bothered to do something as simple as get a pelvic ultrasound and look. Oh. And, you know, here's this lady. She has this softball size ovarian cyst. Oh. See? That, yeah. you know, I mean, it and, it, and it's not obvious on exam because of her size, but, I mean, standard of care would be, well, listen to the patient, number one. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, number two, do the workup regardless of what the person looks like. Yeah. But, but, you're, but that's what's happening. And that's, again, why I'm grateful that there's real studies being done and why the standard of care is shifting right now. And there's more awareness that you don't just judge a book by its cover, just like we right. talked about with males going into midwifery and assuming that because they're male, they wouldn't want to, or they shouldn't, or they can't or whatever. Yeah. Um, looking at uh, more blessed, as my mama would say, she just, she just got more to love mm-hmm. looking at somebody that has that and assuming and we just have no right to do that. No so right. I don't want to just dog on the medical profession, but I think it's a theme that I think a lot of people would agree with that is common. It's almost a passing off band-aid approach. Here's a prescription kind of thing. Right. Um, so for people that, so for people that are listening to this and they're thinking to themselves that they're hearing this conversation, this part right here, and they're going, I feel like that's what's happening with my doctor or with my midwife or with the yeah, nurse that I I've just, just been told to, to lose weight. And what, what, what should they do? Like, what's your advice to them? Um, you know? Such a good question. Yeah, that, that is a good question. Um, the, big, the big thing to look for, and this sounds so simple in theory, but it's so difficult to find somebody who will do this in practice. And that <laughs> is you're looking for somebody who's actually going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're looking for somebody who's actually going to look and listen <laughs> right exactly right and and that means you know i mean Sounds so obvious we have this kind of assembly line style of medicine that we're all kind of forced into um but when 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 a when a client says you know look i'm having this problem this is when you you back away from the keyboard mm-hmm. and you look at the person right. and you say okay tell me about it Mm-hmm. What's, what's really going on with you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it sounds like if you're a person and in, in, that's not happening, mm-hmm. um, you need to give yourself permission to find a different healthcare provider. 
Right. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that a lot in that other video interview. We talk about what should midwives and OBGYNs be doing in the average appointment? How much time should they be giving? And we, we gave some awesome qualifiers in that. Yeah. So if you are at that stage and you want more information on that, just pop over to fit to be in and search for Jacob and you'll find that mm-hmm. also we'll link to that in the podcast episode. And you definitely need to do that for sure. It's worth it. But just in a general sense, I think what I'm hearing is people need to give themselves permission to take ownership of their own body and care. And if they don't feel like they're getting care, the right care, they need to find it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and this is, I mean, it's amazing that you still have to tell people this, but you do. Mm-hmm. When you go and see a healthcare provider, that person is working for you. Mm-hmm. Right. You say that in the girls course and it's so valuable, right. you know, while, while you also iterated in that course that girls should not need a pelvic exam until their early twenties, unless something is wrong. And if something is wrong, we want them to be prepared. So you did this amazing video where you walked us through what would happen in a pelvic exam, right. but you were very clear that, Hey girls, as you grow up and you find somebody to work for you, that person is working for you. Right. 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 And don't be afraid to fire them if they're not doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. If, if you don't, if you don't like the, the approach that, you know, your, your midwife or your doctor is taking with your care, it's perfectly acceptable and not something that has to be a big deal right. to say, you know what, this just isn't working out. I'm going to yeah, go. I'm not comfortable it. with this. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No apologies needed. Um, right. You know, think of think of me as you know somebody that's been hired to do your lawn. Well, if I do a bad job mowing your lawn, it's okay to say you know thanks, but no thanks. I don't want you back. Right. <laughs> I think that's a hard hurdle for a lot of people because they're in a position of the a perceived position of weakness and submission, and this oh. person with all of these degrees and things on their wall. You know, they're the boss. And, um, there is that is what it feels like. Yeah, right. And and if you look, I mean, you can't you can't see it on the camera, and I'm not going to do the swing the computer around thing. But right over here um, on my wall, I'm, I'm in one of my exam rooms right now. Um, there's a big poster on the wall that says "All patients have the right," and then a colon, and it lists the patient's rights in English oh, wow. and Spanish. Um, and one of one of my favorites says, "All patients have the right to refuse, stop, or pause any examination for any reason at any time." Oh, um, so good. And I, I try and emphasize that with the with the patients, especially with people that are coming in maybe for their first pap ever. Right. Yeah. And say, you know what? If 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 you're really uncomfortable with this, it's perfectly acceptable to call time out and say, you know what? Either give me a break. I just need a minute or I just can't do this today. The world doesn't end. We can reschedule or you can see someone else. Nobody's feelings get hurt. You would think that that would, you know, I'm so glad that you do that. You would think that that would just be normal and standard, but I can tell you that what has happened to me is usually, Hey, if it hurts, look up at the picture on the ceiling or Hey, if it hurts, just hold on tight to the bed. I mean, that's what I've been told. (laughs) Not Hey, if it hurts, let us know. 
and we can stop and let you take a breath. I mean, my dentist says that, but not my OB. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm not OB anymore. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make, paint a picture that all doctors are bad. No. Because it's yeah. amazing. I have had a wonderful OB too. Mm-hmm. It's just that I think the message is you owe it to yourself to make sure you're getting the right kind of care, decent care. Mm-hmm. And um, and like you said, if, if you're not, then you have the right to get that and you should know to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so many good things. So Jacob, so um, tying into fitness again, um, you know, you, you see your patients, you work with them. What are the things they need to be thinking as they're going through this process, prenatal, postnatal? Um, what are the things you've seen to be the most effective? What are the things that you wish you could, if you could just send a quick little message to all women that are going to go through this process, like what would that be? Boy, um, this, I, I have a feeling this wouldn't be a quick message. Um, yeah. a, That's all right. Um, he could write a book or 10. Right. Exactly. Um, the, the big takeaways that I wish all of my patients understood about, you know, fitness and pregnancy um, specifically would be, you know, number one, if you're used to doing something, yeah, and you get pregnant. You don't have to necessarily stop. Let's just say you're a runner, right? Mm-hmm. And you and and you run every day, and you love it. It's your it's your you know if if you have kids, especially maybe it's your it's your an hour of of quiet time a day, and you get away. Yeah. Um, there's no reason to stop that just because you're pregnant now, um, okay. right? It's it's a little different if you've never exercised before and you get pregnant and then you say, well, I'm now going to train for a marathon and I want to run a marathon at six right. months. Well, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe we want to pump the brakes a little bit, yeah. but you don't have to stop exercising because you're pregnant. In fact, quite the opposite, right? Your body is training for the most athletic thing it will likely ever right. do. Mm-hmm. Right, you're about to push a human being through your pelvis, <laughs> or <laughs> or and even or, even if they have a C-section, that's still a lot of recovery. <laughs> that is still oh, a yeah. ton of recovery, and you're going even if you have a even if you have a C-section, you're going to be carrying a human being mm-hmm. in your pelvis yeah. for ten months. Yeah, um, big deal. That is a huge deal. And how you prepare for that really affects your recovery mm-hmm. and really affects your quality of life later on. But. But. <laughs> he takes a drink. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I do want people to understand that pregnancy brings with it a lot of physiologic changes. Mm-hmm. And these are not necessarily intuitive and by that i mean let's just say you're you're on a desert island by yourself and somehow you know you you find yourself pregnant and you have nobody to talk to there are going to be things going on with your body that you don't understand right um you know we 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 love to say and it's really true that you know women have been having babies for a very long time without our help right mm-hmm. um and and in a in the best kind of birth really as a midwife I'm, I'm doing much more cheerleading than anything else. Right. Right. Cause, cause the laboring woman is, is doing all of the work, right? right. I, I'm, I'm just there. 
Um, but there are things that change with your body with pregnancy that you may not fully understand. Right. Um, for example, there's a hormone called relaxin that causes the ligaments that hold a lot of your bones together to get a little loosey goosey. Mm-hmm. Um, and this can happen relatively early on in pregnancy. All of a sudden you feel like, oh my goodness, why, why do my hips feel like they're going to fall apart when I walk? Um, or why does my back hurt? I'm not, you know, cause we think of back pain in pregnancy. We think of this big baby and gravity pulling against the lumbar curve of your spine. Mm-hmm. But really you have a lot of hormonal relaxation of the ligaments that hold your spine nice and tight. Now, all of a sudden they don't. And, you know, here I am, I'm at 10 weeks and my back is killing me. Why is this happening? Right. This is, this is where it's great to have, you know, a place like fit to be to send people to and say, you know what, almost every question that you could possibly have has been answered somewhere in there. And there are exercise routines specifically geared toward helping you exercise, not just, not just exercise, you know, to burn calories, but exercise safely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Exercise with strategies to right. help those loosey goosey ligaments exactly. not get more loosey goosey. Yes. <laughs> That's a medical term, by the way, loosey goosey. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, cool. I, I know medical terms. I knew that. <laughs> See? Hey, you could be a midwife. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Yes. We, um, we would love to have any midwives are out there listening or people who are considering becoming midwives right. know that they have a partner who's going to work with them um, to help their clients have a healthy, safe birth. And that we are um, also an excellent fallback um, right. to, you know, the person who is running and they're running just fine. And then all of a sudden they start having some issues. They start having some leaking um, maybe even some prolapse issues and, you know, it's a place to kind of rebuild that fitness foundation so they can make a safe return to running when their right. body is ready. Because like you said, there's physiological changes that happen in pregnancy. That we cannot stop. They are there to assist the pregnancy and assist the birth. We don't want to undo those things. Right. Um, so we want to have strategies in place to work with those things and support the process so that the mama can finish her pregnancy um, ready to make a re-entry to what she loves. That's what matters to me. (laughs) Yeah. So Jacob, you have some, um, you're working at a clinic, you're doing this real life every day. You're it's, it's real to you. It's not theoretical, even though you do have a lot of educational background for it. Um, and you also create some resources for, resources for people that you're putting on Facebook. Um, should people, I mean, who, who's the target for that and how can they find it? Right. So, I mean, the primary target um, is obviously going to be our clients. Okay. Um, but really anybody who just has an interest in um, what are the, what are the basics? What, why is my midwife, you know, ordering the tests they are, or why, why are they telling me that I need a pap smear and, and how often do I need one and why, um, the videos that I post are very, are very basic. They're designed to mm-hmm. answer just those, those very simple questions. They're usually about two minutes long. Yeah. They're uh, really good. Well, thank you. I watch <laughs> them and I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. So if people want to find it, they should look you up on Facebook. We'll also put the link to that in the show. Now. Yeah. We'll put the link to his clinic page in there. Yeah. Okay. I think what I'm hearing overall, you know, basically a couple of themes. Um, one is you owe it to yourself to make sure you understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. That you're not on an island by yourself. There are resources and you should find them and look them up. Even if you, it's not your first pregnancy, you need to spend time doing that. You shouldn't be afraid of fitness. There's lots of great resources out there. Mm-hmm. I'm partial to this website called fit to be. Um, but the internet, it, you know, there are good resources on the internet. So you have no excuse to not find that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm also hearing that, you know, you deserve good care. This is true for all seasons and all genders and all different types of medical care. It's not just about um, this particular right. thing we're talking about today. You deserve good care from a good provider, and you need to make mm-hmm. sure you're getting that. If you're not getting that, you need to find a new provider, and you need to not feel guilty about doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it, it's important. I think more people need to be aware of that and need to to do that. Um, yeah. So Agreed. I, I agreed. I love it. Um, what else? Parting thoughts. Uh, this has been super informative to me. I love learning about this stuff. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, really, if, if people could, you know, could take away, you know, one thing from you know, why, why would I choose, you know, a midwife over an obstetrician or a midwife over, you know, a, an office-based gynecology practice to do mm-hmm. my, my annual exams, that sort of thing, right. um, would be exactly kind of what Chris was touching on. Our training is much more geared toward things like patient autonomy. I mean, that is, that is huge to mm. us. We want to take the decisions and this sounds strange until you think about it, maybe, but we want to take the decisions largely out of our own hands, right? You, you come to me with a, with a problem and I'm going to present, you know, these are the options that I, that I would recommend there are about three or four good choices. I'm going to go over the pros and cons of each. And then I'm going to say, what, what would you like to do? This is your body. You're the one that has to live with the choice you make. What would you like to do here? Yeah, um, and you don't always get that, right? right. Um, you know, so so our, our commitment to patient autonomy combined with you know, maybe evidence-based care would be a good place to, to, to to describe that um, really kind of sets midwives, I think, apart from other providers. Right. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been. Yeah. Thank you. I know your time is valuable and you have patience. And so it's just been awesome to have you. No, thanks for having me guys. This is great. It's awesome. So if you are just subscribing to, or if you haven't subscribed to this, you need to subscribe to our podcast. If you haven't. Do that right now. Click on the subscribe button. Uh, if you're seeing this on Facebook, you should subscribe to, uh, or if you're seeing this on YouTube, I should say. It's not on Facebook. If it's on YouTube, if you're seeing it there, you should subscribe there. If you want more information about any of the sites we talked about in this, we're going to link all that in the podcast episode. You'll also find that on the website, fit2be.us uh, or fit2be.com. And, um, you know, I this has been a very informative podcast i love it it's a good topic it's a topic that touches a lot of people and uh, it's super cool to have you on one of the two percent rocking it (laughs) certified nurse uh, midwife so 
Very cool. Thank you. And uh, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Awesome. Bye, Jacob. Thanks for joining us. Bye, guys. Thanks for having me. You too. Bye, everybody.